1: Show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Nontite. This time, America is politically divided and many women with different views are not talking to each other.
2: And I said, oh, I've got a dinner tonight. She said, what's your dinner for? I really didn't want to tell her. And I finally said, it, it, it's a Republican dinner. Why would you want to go to that? Well, because I'm a Republican. Really?
1: Some liberals want to encourage more understanding.
3: I think liberal women have some blame to bear here in the sense that we have continually underestimated, discounted, disregarded, and poo-pooed conservative women's concerns.
1: And politics can spill into the workplace.
0: Don't discriminate against me in the workplace just because I'm conservative or a Christian. Get to know me and get to know my fellow conservatives and let us work together for the good of what we're trying to do. Coming up, listening to each other and working together when we think
1: we have little in common. So I will come right out and say here that I did not vote for Donald Trump in the last presidential election. You are probably not surprised to hear that. But unlike a lot of my friends in liberal New York City, I wasn't surprised when he won – I travelled enough within a hundred or so mile radius last summer to get a sense of just how much support he had. His win and everything that's come with it has really made me think about conservative women's viewpoints. I wanted some conservative voices on the show. So in this episode, you'll meet two conservatives and one avowed liberal who is dead set on bringing women together for the good of democracy. My first guest is Jennifer Zambeki. She grew up right in the middle of the country in Wichita, Kansas. She went to college locally, lived in Boston for a while, but then came back home. She's in her late thirties, and she and her husband live in Wichita. His daughter, from a former marriage, lives with them part of the time. Jennifer works in technology, on the marketing and user experience side of things. She describes herself as a Christian conservative,
0: but she did not grow up that way. My parents were very liberal, still are. And raised us to be, you know, vote for the Democrats and against the Republicans and just generally kind of identified as liberals or progressives, or I'm not sure what we called it in the, you know, 80s and 90s growing up, but that was how we identified as a family.
1: So what happened?
0: <laughs> well, I went to college and when I graduated, I kind of got the first job out of college I could find, like many people, and it was in the nonprofit. Community doing marketing and volunteer recruiting, and kind of, you know, in nonprofit, you do a lot of things. And a couple of things were happening at the same time. One, I was making a full time income and paying taxes. And at the same time, I was working with populations who were on the receiving end of government programs and benefits. She worked for a mental health nonprofit at first, it got
1: plenty of government funding and she spent as much time filling out forms and checking boxes as she did with patients and volunteers and at the end of the day she says the organization wasn't having that much impact no one was officially measuring outcomes yet the nonprofit kept getting that federal funding she says it just seemed so dysfunctional
0: when you're running on even in part on government programs you're answering to what lawmakers have decided is the right way to do something. I have experienced at least a a devastating disconnect between lawmakers and the people at the other end of the laws. She's not saying the government
1: doesn't have any role to play in people's lives, but she says she began to think a lot about how policy really worked and became more and more convinced that the federal government was
0: sprawling and inefficient. So I became Much to my parents' chagrin, a practicing Republican. She's not a Republican
1: who voted for Donald Trump last year, but not for the same reasons liberals didn't. She says he didn't seem to care enough about America's enormous budget deficit, the fact that the U.S. is spending so much more than it's bringing
0: in. She's worried. That we're going to have to make dramatic, drastic, unstrategic cuts that will inevitably impact some of the biggest consumers of government programs. Women and children. When those, or if those, have to be cut dramatically just to try to balance a budget or bring us into some kind of homeostasis, that's that's going to be really devastating.
1: You mean like Medicaid?
0: Yes. Schools. Right. All of that. I mean, I think there are ways that we can be strategic about looking for what works. Look for the bright spots and replicate what works when we're able to, but cut back where we can, or just be more measured about it. The thing that I think that concerned me most about Trump is that he wasn't talking about any of this really at all.
1: And what about his personality and some of the things that he's been caught saying about women? Did that bother you at all?
0: Oh, sure. Yes, that bothered me a lot. But I mean, Not to defend him, I'm also bothered by lots of things I've heard politicians say. um, But I'm also bothered by the CEO of Uber and other people. Um, He's obviously not representing me in government. But I would say that's not why I didn't vote for Trump. But it was a factor. It wasn't the biggest factor, but it was a factor. And it wasn't just how he spoke about women. I mean, it's how he speaks about literally everyone that would be the factor for me.
1: And speaking of attitudes to women, I wondered where, as a conservative, Jennifer stood on the F word. I was curious as to whether you would describe yourself as a feminist or whether that word makes you run screaming into the forest.
0: It definitely does not make me run screaming. I do identify as a feminist. To me, and... And my experience, including with amazing conservative and Republican women that I volunteer and work alongside here in Kansas, I think many of them would describe themselves as feminists. Those who wouldn't um, might only not because they've got negative baggage with that word. But if you look at their lives and their philosophies and their actions, uh, you would probably be able to identify them as such. And to me, there's no... There is no disconnect between feminism and conservatism.
1: But some of your friends think there is a disconnect, right?
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, I have received many tweets and Facebook responses and uh, people speaking to my face and in other ways challenging me with sentences like how can you be a woman and be a conservative or how can you be a woman and be in the Republican Party and of course I don't that doesn't make sense to me because I am a woman and I am in the Republican Party so um, I you know I don't quite know how to answer that I never know how to answer I'm not sure it's really anything other than a rhetorical question but uh, a point in the form of a question but I never quite know how to respond.
1: What do you say?
0: I say I believe that conservative values are best for men, women, children and society as a whole. And I am fighting to preserve or restore them in my life. Becky Davidson has a lot in common with Jennifer,
1: at least on the surface. She's also in the Midwest, St. Louis. She too is in her late 30s and she also works in technology. She's an IT manager for a big company.
2: I would probably say I'm a Christian conservative, but maybe a good way of putting it is a loving and open Christian conservative.
1: What does being a conservative woman mean to you? I mean, do you do you think conservative values are better for women as a whole?
2: I do. I believe they're better as a whole because... The conservative viewpoint is more of believing that you can do it and you're not necessarily a victim. To me, a lot of the liberal viewpoint is more calling out different demographics as victims.
1: That idea does not sit well with Becky. It seems limiting, disempowering, She says she's had the occasional sexist experience at work, but most of the time she's pretty content in her largely male workplace. I asked her to talk about something that had quite surprised me when I first heard from her. You know, she has this good career and she and her longtime boyfriend are involved in Republican politics. But Becky says... In
2: my perfect world, I'd be a stay-at-home mom uh, with kids, but I... When I first graduated from college, I was I watched people and there was a, a Bible study that I was part of and there was a gal in the Bible study and you could see that she was she was working until she could get married and stay at home and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to if I'm going to work, I'm going to I'm going to pursue a career and I'm going to pursue it with everything that I am. And if I do have that opportunity to switch lanes and become a stay-at-home mom, I'll pursue that with everything that I am.
1: She accepts that even if she and her boyfriend marry, she may not be able to have children, so she'll keep pushing forward at work. You were talking about the whole women as victims thing and how that's one of the things that is a big turnoff about the left. Do you ever feel, even if it's not you personally, but your viewpoint sort of patronized or maligned or misunderstood by more liberal women or by the left as a whole?
2: It's very interesting to me that you will hear the left a lot talk about how you should be welcoming and inclusive. And yet when that viewpoint, they don't share the same viewpoint, it's not nearly as welcoming and inclusive. To me the perfect example of that is Kellyanne Conway. Conway, of course, was President Trump's campaign manager.
1: she's now a counselor to the president.
2: she is pilloried by the, the media she's many of my more liberal friends will talk about you know they'll make fun of how she looks they'll make fun of how she talks they'll make fun of everything and I want to say, hey, she is the first woman campaign manager that won a presidential candidacy. She's the second woman that's actually ever run a presidential campaign, but that she's the first one that ever won. And yet all it's done is is attacking her. She sees a lot of hypocrisy there.
1: Still, she says she doesn't often speak up about her views when she's surrounded by people on the left. But occasionally it happens in a one-on-one. Becky got a new hairdresser a few years ago. There was the usual beauty salon chit-chat during the first appointment. And Becky says it soon became clear her hairdresser was as liberal as she was conservative.
2: For a while, she kept her mouth shut. I think I went in maybe about two years ago and, and I said, oh, I've got a dinner tonight. And she said, oh, what's your dinner for? And I, I really didn't want to tell her. And I said, oh, it's a dress-up dinner. Oh, what's it for? And I finally said, it, it, it's a Republican dinner. Why would you want to go to that? Well, because I'm a Republican. Really? Explain to me why Fox News hates black people. And I had to explain that, no, Fox News doesn't hate black people. My boyfriend's a black man and he's been on Fox News. But we started talking. And then last spring when I went to go get my hair cut, she had a Bernie shirt on. And I asked her why she liked Bernie.
1: Again, they had a conversation. And then came the election of Donald Trump.
2: I was due for a haircut right around the inauguration. And I'm thinking, you know what, I'm just going to give her some time because I'm betting that she's pretty upset about Trump being elected as president, and I'm guessing she's probably going to go out and do the women's march the day after. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait a couple of weeks. So I, I waited a couple of weeks to go in, and I went in, and you know, I, I said hi. And she said, I'm so excited you're here. I can't wait to talk about the election with you. And it just, to me, was the best compliment because it meant that she felt – Safe talking to talking over what had happened and what we each thought about it, realizing that we were diametrically opposite in our beliefs.
1: So, about that women's march right after the inauguration, I
2: suspected Becky hadn't taken part. You didn't go to one, did you? No, 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 no. No, it to me, it wasn't a women women's march or a march for women, it was a march for liberal women because. Several friends that I have are pro-life. were were interested in, in engaging in this, and they weren't welcome. She's right.
1: In a minute, we're going to meet a liberal woman who is trying to bridge that gap.
3: Say hello to a new era of mental health care.
1: Lauren Leda Chivet is a liberal through and through.
3: I think I'm very representative of a lot of, you know, liberal women in the bubble. In the sense, you know, I grew up in Washington, D.C., which is in a completely democratic neighborhood. I went to a very liberal, uh, socially progressive school. I came to New York. I went to Barnard College and lived on the Upper West Side. I have lived in the Democrat bubble my entire life.
1: Which you might think makes her an odd choice to start the organization she has. She's co-founder and CEO of All In Together a campaign to educate women, liberals, conservatives, and anyone in between about civic and political leadership so they can get involved in politics and make women's voices heard, which they largely are not, especially in national politics. She says people on both sides of the aisle thought she and her co-founder were nuts to start something bipartisan. But she says as a liberal... If you believe in women's equality, if you believe in the power of women's
3: voices, you can't just believe in that when it's voices and women that you agree with. You have to be willing to invest in women's participation even when you don't agree. And we don't all agree. You know, women are as diverse as the nation. And to ignore that
1: to us seemed like a big miss. She says they're creating an environment where women can feel comfortable asking questions, learning about civic life in a way they haven't before. She says it's encouraging that more women are getting into politics in the wake of President Trump's election, but... All the civic engagement now has been
3: organized around resistance and around being angry and about fighting, and and that has enormous power and enormous agency, and I fear its sustainability. We need women participating in our democracy, whether they are pissed off or not.
1: Lauren strongly believes that U.S. democracy would be better if more women took an active part. But right now, of the few female politicians there are, most are Democrats. And the problem with starting a bipartisan group like Lauren's when you live in a liberal bubble? I needed Republican
3: board members and I needed Republican women who would support me. And I didn't know any. I mean, it literally took me, you know, six to eight months of outreach and networking to try to connect to conservative women who were, you know, who I knew might be passionate about what we were doing. And I will say, the relationships that I have built with women who I thought I had nothing in common with, because we had different political views, um, have been the most rewarding, most inspiring, and most intellectually challenging relationships of my life.
1: She says when she did her research, she found the excessive partisanship in U.S. politics, it was turning women off, And that was especially true of young women. She says they don't want to have to double down on the most divisive issues like abortion to go into politics. And that brought us back to the Women's March.
3: The Women's March was about a lot of things. And it was certainly a galvanizing moment here and obviously around the world. But the organizers were explicitly clear in the planning for the march that women who did not support choice were not welcome. And they were clear about that because, for many liberal women, choice and has been such a fundamental question around feminism. And liberal women often see it that way, that if you, you
1: can't be a feminist if you are not pro-choice. As we heard earlier, Jennifer does consider herself a feminist, though her views on abortion are nuanced. Becky considers herself pro-life and not a feminist, Lauren would love to see women with different views on abortion come together anyway. What concerns me
3: is that there are a huge range of other issues that have nothing to do with abortion, where women largely do agree and are not coming together to mobilize because they're so divided around this other issue. And that is partially a function of the legacy of how some of the women's organizations are structured and who runs them and how they're how they're run. But, I mean, a perfect example of that is paid family
1: leave. She says American women across the board largely agree there should be some. And despite her own strongly held views, Lauren says liberals could be a lot more open to conservative viewpoints.
3: I think there is a real frustration among conservative women that they're so dismissed and so insulted and so put down on a constant basis by liberals who just think they're all stupid. And I I think that's an incredible disservice. You know, it's funny, I was watching this video of Betty Friedan on a talk show in like 1979. And it was Betty Friedan and Phyllis Schlafly, who was the conservative, very controversial, very complicated woman leader of the conservative opposition to the Equal Rights Amendment, and the sort of disdain and disgust of of Friedan, you know, who is an incredible icon and who I revere. You know, when I watched this recently, I thought, God, like we are still doing this, and it galvanizes an opposition when you insult them. You know, I I happen to think Hillary Clinton was completely right in many ways about the basket of deplorables. There's no question that there was a lot of racism and anti-Semitism and sexism that was ginned up by the president in his race. But that kind of insulting language of the opposition just inflames them. It enrages conservatives in this country, even if they don't even if they don't agree or support Trump. That kind of condescension of you're all stupid is just so not helpful. And I I think we have just got to get to a better place.
1: And she thinks eventually, some years from now, who knows how many.
3: I have this like gut feeling that the first woman president may be a Republican. That somehow, I don't know how to explain it. I think that there is a level on which conservative America maybe more willing to accept and embrace a woman president if she shares their values.
1: Becky Davidson agrees. I asked her if she'd like to see a female president.
2: I would love to and and actually had a fantastic conversation with Carly Fiorina during the campaign. And I thought she was pretty awesome. She wasn't necessarily my, my first pick, but we we had some we had the opportunity to have dinner with her early on in the primary and she's somebody that's fascinated me for a long time anyhow she was the first woman ceo of a large it company i would have loved to have seen her get further
1: but she'd never vote for a candidate just because she was female becky is actively involved in politics and several years ago she worked on what became an infamous campaign Some of you will remember this story well. A Missouri congressman called Todd Akin was campaigning on the Republican ticket to replace Democratic senator for Missouri, Claire McCaskill. At one point, he was doing a TV interview when he essentially said if a woman is truly raped, what he called legitimate rape, she's unlikely to get pregnant. He said her body, quote, has ways to
2: try to shut that whole thing down. Uproar ensued. So I started on a campaign and about two weeks later, he made his unfortunate comments. And about two weeks after that, I was a delegate at the the Republican National Convention. So I was definitely popular with the different news media sources because they couldn't understand why a woman would support Todd Akin.
1: She says, look, he was not her ideal candidate.
2: He said multiple things that I was not thrilled about. And on more than one occasion, I reached out to my boss in the campaign is that he can't say this. He can't say these things. I understand what he's trying to, to communicate, but he can't say these things. And when I reached out to supporters, there were a couple that's just like, I think he's an idiot, but I think he's better than my alternative. So, yes, I'll vote for him.
1: As did Becky. She says she respects Senator McCaskill but did not want her to continue in that job. She wanted a Republican. Aiken lost the election. McCaskill won a second term as Senator for Missouri. Lauren Leader Chevet wants more women to enter politics and not just Democrats like McCaskill. In fact, she's willing to put her money where her mouth is. I spoke at
3: the Women's Leadership Forum of the Democratic National Committee. Maybe a year and a half ago. And I, I swear a trap door almost opened up and swallowed me because I said that I had been making, you know, financial contributions to Republican women running for office. And there was like this audible gasp in the room. And I explained why. And, and the reason is, is that all the evidence shows that when women are in elected office, they are more likely to be bipartisan and to work across the aisle. And they're more productive and more collegial and so if we believe that washington is broken and that we need a better functioning democracy i do think that women are the answer to that i might be wrong but i'd like to find out
1: she is not the only one and finally i wanted to consider the whole question of talking politics at work we're often warned not to do it but with this u.s election and its aftermath Keeping politics away from the water cooler was never going to work. The thing is, if you live in a liberal East Coast city like I do, pretty much everyone you talk to is horrified by the current political situation. Jennifer Zambeki is in a different situation. She's a conservative, but she works in the world of app and website development. And in
0: general, it's a pretty liberal world. I'm concerned at this moment because I think 10 years ago it was perhaps easier to be in a workplace where I could be a conservative woman working alongside a progressive woman and conservative men and progressive men. And I'm afraid that the just kind of national dialogue has devolved into a disrespectful place. And, and I hear about that, although I thankfully have not really experienced that myself, that leaking into the workplace. And I guess I would just say that as I continue to stay professionally plugged into a career that will probably continue to have me working alongside more likely to be left-leaning people, I hope that we can all continue to cultivate every type of diversity, including political diversity, because whatever it is we're trying to accomplish together is most likely to be benefited from every kind of diversity, And which is basically, in summary, a plea to please don't not hire me just because I'm conservative or, you know, don't discriminate against me in the workplace just because I'm conservative or a Christian
1: have you ever worried about that in the past that somebody might not hire you or are you just are you worried now because of what you just said because of where everything's gone
0: oh I've been worried about that in the past yes and in fact I was not accepted by an Airbnb host once because my Twitter description or bio mentions Jesus (laughs) so I which is not a job obviously but I was just like oh that's interesting it never occurred to me that somebody wouldn't want me staying in there in their apartment because I'm a Christian. But I mean, I get that. I understand people have been very hurt by others in the name of religion. Anyway, I do worry about that, actually, especially in a more... I have always grown up in more urban, a more urban setting. I'm attracted to more urban settings. Urban settings tend to attract more left-leaning people and liberal people. And I am afraid that my political activity and my willingness to be out about being conservative and Christian might hurt me professionally. Jennifer Sambecki. Thanks to her,
1: Becky Davidson, and Lauren Lederchevet for being my guests on this show. As usual, you can comment on this episode at thebroadexperience.com or on the show's Facebook page. I would love to hear from you. Next time on the show, I follow up with a guest who's left her old life and traditional notions of success behind... I've always had a sense of self and a sense of, of being an individual. But, you know, I think as a woman, when you leave what's really comfortable and you go out and go on a really epic adventure like this that doesn't have an end date, it's given me a sense of self confidence that I never had before. That's next time on The Broad Experience. If you are not already a subscriber, go ahead and subscribe so you will never miss an episode. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And those of you who've made donations recently and you're waiting for a t-shirt, the new order has just come in so you'll get those very soon. If you'd like to join them in supporting this one-woman show, just go to thebroadexperience.com slash support. I'm Ashley Meltite. Thanks for listening.